right? Parents remember the first words of, uh, uh, that their children have spoken. At least Jennifer does. I have them written down somewhere. Uh, don't quiz me on, on what my children's first words were. And we also, so we love those things, but we also find insightful the last words of people, don't we? Uh, we, we love to read famous last words. We love to read about them. We love to think about them. Uh, Elvis Presley's last words before his death in 1977 were this. I'm going to the bathroom to read. That was it, right? Joseph Wright, he was the editor of the English Dictionary. Uh, do you know what his last word was? Dictionary. Marie Antoinette, her last words, because she stepped on her executioner's foot on the way to the guillotine. Her last words were, pardonnez-moi, monsieur. Today we read about Paul's last words, or at least the, the last written words that we know about. They aren't funny. Uh, they're not accidental. They're important. They're needed. And they're helpful to us as we follow his footsteps in following Jesus. And so today we're asking the question, why do Paul's not-so-famous written last words matter? Well, I think we're going to see that it's going to help us endure faithfully to the end. And so as we have been going and marching through line by line, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, in the book of 2 Timothy, we have found out that 2 Timothy is a letter written to Timothy. It's the second one from Paul. Uh, Timothy is in Ephesus. <clears throat> and in this week, we're going to see that Paul's calling him, sending him uh, to come to, uh, to Paul's aid, presumably in Rome. And Paul has been encouraging Timothy on what it looks like to continue to minister faithfully to the church in Ephesus. And he is to continue to make disciples who will make other disciples. He's, he's to continue to, to rightly handle the word of truth. He is to uh, endure all things patiently. Timothy is supposed to be a servant who's not quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Timothy was to be on guard that in the last days there would become times of difficulty. And yet Timothy was to continue in what he had learned and firmly believed, knowing that the things these, from these sacred writings that uh, they were able to make one wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And so Paul has been marching along in this letter, showing that in every circumstance that Timothy faces, the Lord will be with him in all of it. And so we get to finish this letter this morning. We're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verses 9 all the way through verses 22. But for the last time, <clears throat> we get to, hopefully not the last time, I'll give you a quick moment to look at it. But for the last time in this sermon series, let's say our series memory verse together, 2 Timothy 4.18. You guys ready? I'm going to get rid of it for you all. Here it is. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed 
and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Good job. Yo, we're going to get another new one next week. So it's never ending. It's ongoing and it's good for us. Let me pray for us as we uh, begin uh, to look at God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, we pray that through your word and by your spirit, we would remain faithful to the end, even in difficult days, because God, you're with us and that changes everything. So Lord, use your, our time in 2 Timothy 4 this morning for our encouragement, instruction, correction, and endurance. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me give you the roadmap. Let me tell you where we're headed so that you can, so there's no surprises, okay? So there's, there's no sharp turns that everything that we want you to hear, that you're hearing it from even the very beginning. Here is the big idea we want you to walk away with this morning. Remain faithful to the end in difficult days because God gives us his people, his mission, and himself. Brothers and sisters, we want to remain faithful to the end, not just at the beginning, but all the way to the end in difficult days that we're sure to know is going to be coming because God gives us his people, his mission, and himself. And so we're going to look at this kind of in three uh, easy points this morning. We're going to look at verses 9 to 15, a needed presence for Paul. We're going to look at verses 16 to 18, the court scene. We're going to look at verses 19 to 22, fellow gospel workers. So let me read for us, beginning in verse 9 uh, through verse 15. Here's what Paul writes to Timothy. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. Well, if you have ever served in a local church, if you have ever been a Christian in a gospel community for very long, you realize this, ministry needs to be around people and it needs to have fellow workers. One thing that has been so clear since COVID is that many jobs can be remote. Ministry is not one of those things. Some bosses might be in another state or even another country, but work can still get done with so many careers. But some things don't work that way. Ministry is one of them. Despite what people think, ministry doesn't primarily happen on Facebook. Ministry needs to be around people and needs to have fellow workers. One thing that is clear every single year is that ministry is hard. It's easily overwhelming, discouraging, and often seems impossible at times. And so ministry needs to be around people and needs to have fellow workers. 
Paul has never done ministry alone. He's always taken others along and been in partnership in ministry with others. Uh, but as Paul's writing this letter, in verse 11, he, he feels utterly alone. Paul says that Luke alone is with him. Even with Paul's circumstances, though what do we see? That ministry isn't over. Paul needs other gospel workers. So Paul is sending for Timothy in verse 9 to come to him. Certainly Timothy's a friend. Certainly Timothy's a brother in Christ. He's a close companion of Paul. But Paul doesn't just need anyone. He needs other gospel workers. In fact, that's why um, Luke is with Paul in verse 11, at least to give medical assistance to Paul while he's in prison awaiting the next trial. Also in verse 11, Paul wants Mark. If you guys remember that, that's John Mark, the guy who he had a sharp disagreement with in the book of Acts. And Paul wants Mark to come along because he's useful in ministry. And while we might read over that statement easily, boy, it's encouraging to see that even from sharp disagreements, that there can be reconciliation in the body of Christ. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you've already been weirded out because there aren't very many congregations that stand and sing together. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian and you're like, now we're going to read what sounds like a weird personal letter and that's supposed to mean something to our lives? I, I hope that you see that if you're not a Christian here today, I hope you see this picture of friendship and companionship and, and family together. In fact, I often wonder, what do friendships look like to you? Right? See, the thing about Christian friendships is that it isn't just that we are fellow workers, but we actually love the same things together. We love Jesus. Christians love the gospel. And so it's really a family reunion when we get to see other believers and, and, and we should be refreshments to one another. It's meant to be a joyful thing when we gather together because sometimes weeks are hard and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to continue on in this Christianity thing. And yet we see other brothers and sisters in the Lord and we think, man, they are such an encouragement. I want to continue on. So maybe if you're someone who's always wanted a family, but that has been kind of a, 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 a rough idea to you, if you've always wanted a family that would love and support you, which is a natural thing, it comes best, actually, in Christianity. It's what other Christians, uh, that we, it's through other Christians and with other Christians that we actually learn how to be a family as God has designed it. And so if you're not a Christian here today and you're thinking, man, I, I'm longing for something better, I actually am convinced that Christianity is it. It's in Christianity that not only will you find family, you'll find a savior. You'll find someone who is able to forgive and redeem you from every wrong thing. If that's you, come talk to me afterward. I'd love to talk to you more about that. Brothers and sisters, I think it's easy also to say that ministry is not easy. And so we should not go at it alone. Right? There's not a single ministry here at Friendship Baptist Church that isn't enhanced by having two people working in it instead of one. Good gospel friends are also a refreshment to difficult ministry days and can be an encouragement as we continue to go forth in ministry. Now what we see is that Paul sent 
off others for other ministry, didn't he? Crescens, we see, one of Paul's assistants has gone to Galatia. Titus has been sent to Dalmadia. Tychicus, a fellow worker of Paul, who's also, if you guys have been reading your New Testament, know that he's mentioned in the letter to the Ephesians. He's mentioned the letter to the Colossians. He was in Crete uh, for Titus at one point, and now he's sent off for other ministry in Ephesus, probably to replace Timothy as Timothy is going to come visit Paul. Paul has been sending others off for good ministry. And isn't that one of the hard things about ministry? It isn't easy because sometimes we say goodbye to friends and brothers and sisters in the Lord as the Lord calls them and takes them to other ministry places. In fact, that's one of the things that happens. At the seminary that I attended, there, there was a seminary hymn that was written. And, and in the third verse, it talks about how we meet in order to part, but that we part because one day in the Lord, in glory, we will meet again. And so this is this picture that in ministry, we, we gather ultimately not to just be unto ourselves, but to take the gospel everywhere we go. And so while we are sad that, that Luke and Lindsay are leaving us, we trust that the Lord is taking them to other good gospel ministry. When we have friends who are moving to other cities like Jessica, uh, we trust she is taking the gospel with hopes of, of greater gospel impact on her family in Cincinnati. And so ministry can be hard because we say goodbye to friends and brothers and sisters in the Lord. And Paul has been doing that very thing in 2 Timothy chapter 4. We also see that others made life hard for Paul, didn't he? Didn't, didn't they? Demas deserted Paul. We don't exactly know if he left the gospel altogether, but, but we should recognize that at one point, Demas was an important part of Paul's ministry. Here's what Paul says about Demas in Colossians 4. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Demas was numbered with Luke and other gospel workers. And then Paul even writes to Philemon. He says this, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so does Mark, Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. And so now what do we read in 2 Timothy 4? What do we read in verse 10? Now Demas is in love with this present world. And he's deserted Paul and gone to Thessalonica. What we do know is that Demas didn't want to share in ministry with Paul. Maybe he didn't want to share in the suffering that Paul was experiencing. But for whatever the reason is, how heartbreaking is this? How heartbreaking to read. Those who were Paul's fellow workers have now deserted him because they're in love with the present world. And then there's Alexander the, the, the coppersmith. Alexander, likely the same individual from 1 Timothy that Paul writes about, who made a shipwreck of his faith that Paul had handed over to Satan, 
who didn't stop after the first letter. Paul mentions here in verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. So we don't know if he was an informer on Paul, which might be why he's awaiting another trial now. We don't know if, if, if he has done other harm to Paul, but in some way, he did Paul great harm, and Paul didn't want Timothy, who had known Alexander from before, who was in the faith, who then made a shipwreck of his faith, Paul didn't want Timothy to be caught unaware. Brothers and sisters, the reality is that ministry is not easy. Because not only do we say goodbye to gospel partners and to friends who we care about and love and want to see thrive in the gospel, ministry is not easy because people will come and prevent you from bringing the good news of the gospel forward. Some might accuse you of things that just aren't true. People who you thought were by your side might leave you, not for other gospel work, but for the love of the world. And so we see that the work is difficult, and we can't do it alone. One thing we should also see is that the work of the gospel is tough, but regret for unfaithfulness is even worse. Brothers and sisters, as we read the names of individuals, and while we, we, we don't know the whole story, we just get glimpses of what's going on. What a call for us to endure to the end. What a call for us to say we are to guard both our lives and what we believe about God closely. Because even some of Paul's fellow workers have become in love with the present world. Paul didn't just want Timothy and Mark. He wanted things that would be useful to him as well, right? Verse 13, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with, with Carpus and Troas and also the books and above all the parchments. Well, it makes sense. Prison is cold. A heavy cloak would be useful. And while we don't know what the books and the parchments were for, it seems reasonable that to assume that Paul wanted them to continue for either study of the Old Testament or for use in ministry, what we see is that Paul, even though he knew that he was already being poured out as, as an offering, knowing that his time was up, he still didn't think the mission was over. He still had more to accomplish. Brothers and sisters, we see lots of examples of people here. Be the type of Christian that's a refreshment for other Christians, not a rock in their shoes. The call is, is to be like Timothy. The call is to be like Mark, who, who by coming to Paul, to people like Paul, they're a refreshment, they're an encouragement for a guy who, who feels alone and doesn't know what the next trial is going to look like, a guy who has suffered time and time again, the call is, brothers and sisters, let us be Christians who are a refreshment, like a cup of cool water to one another, not like rocks in our shoes that we wish we could shake out and not deal with. Let us be the type of people who don't desert the faith and desert one another. Right? Paul was writing to be an encouragement to Timothy, 
to continue in gospel ministry. And Paul was looking to be encouraged and refreshed by Timothy and was encouraging Timothy to be refreshed in the gospel going forward. Brothers and sisters, do you see that, that ministry is not something that we just do on our own? It is work that we support and work that we do together. All of the ministries that happen through friendship are ministries not of Corey and Sam McEwen. No, Awan is, is a ministry of Friendship Baptist Church. Ryan did not just decide that he wanted to have a personal youth group ministry. No, this is, uh, the youth group is a ministry of Friendship Baptist Church. Now, it might be Ryan and Holly who are there most Wednesday nights, but it's the body who is giving money to support the work of that ministry. It is the body that is praying for those individuals. It is the body that is coming alongside and supporting. Every ministry here is a ministry of the church, and collectively, we could not do it without each of us. So, brothers and sisters... Don't be like Demas, who falls in love with the present world. Remain faithful to the end in difficult days because God gives us his people and his mission and himself. Let's look at this court scene, verses 16 to 18. Here's what Paul writes. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, the first defense of Paul uh, would have been something similar to like a grand jury hearing before the actual trial itself, right? So there I was my freshman year of college. I'd moved to a new state, uh, moved out of my parents' home. Everything was new. I had to do laundry for the first time in my life. I was one of those kids. And, and there I was at college, freshman year. I had tons of scholarships for academic and music scholarships. And it was the finals week of our spring semester. I was taking 18 credit hours that semester. And the week of finals week, in the middle of the week, it was a Wednesday. Okay, I had had finals before. I was having more finals afterward. That Wednesday, I was to face a panel of professors who were going to take away my music scholarships for academic misconduct. And my friend Sean, who was in a Bible study with me and lived in the same dorm as me, decided that he didn't want me to do that, go at it alone. And so he couldn't be in that room. I was, it was in this room, and there were like 15 professors in, in a long table, and I, just, and I just stood there, right? Like, talk about intimidating. And, and he, no one else could be in the room with me. And I hadn't told my parents about it, uh, <laughs> obvious reasons. Uh, I know they're watching even this morning. This is probably news to them. And Sean... <laughs> And Sean was like, Brian, can I just walk with you from our dorm down to the music building? Can, is, is there a place where I could just sit outside that room just, just to wait for you? 
just so you know that there's someone to wait for you on the way coming out. I'm going to be praying for you the whole time. I just want to make sure, Brian, you know that, that you're not alone in that. Well, it's impactful enough that I'm mentioning it in a sermon 20 years later. For Paul, none were with Paul like that. He faced it alone. Paul wasn't bitter about it. He instead trusted God that God would be merciful. And yet, what do we actually see? Paul wasn't abandoned by God. You know, I'm reminded of, of the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 13 who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, as he's quoting God. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We see that that is being lived out by Paul. Even when Paul had no advantage, humanly speaking, in court, he had every advantage because of verse 17. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. That doesn't mean that Paul was acquitted, right? It looked like it didn't work. He was about to go to another trial. That's why he was imprisoned. And yet he still counts it as a win because through Paul, because the Lord stood by him and strengthened him, the gospel message continued to be claimed, proclaimed, and it didn't just stay in Jerusalem. It was being taken to the Gentiles to be heard. It means that Paul wasn't given over to the lions in the Roman Colosseum. Brothers and sisters, re remind yourselves of this reality that God stands by his people. Do you realize that the same thing that Paul says about himself is true of every single Christian? Not that... We've never been in prison. Not that everyone we know has abandoned us, but that the Lord has stood by us and will continue to stand by us. What a testimony that is. What a truth that lets our heads lay down on our pillows at night when everything else feels like it's going to give way from underneath us. We live in a world where to be a Christian is an increasingly dangerous thing, especially for one who cares about life in the womb, especially for one who cares about the definition of marriage, especially for one who believes that God assigns gender before we are born and he didn't mess anything up. You might lose friends. I had someone talk to me this week asking if friendship was going to participate along other churches yesterday in the Pride Festival in Zanesville the look on their face when I told them that we weren't out of conviction, not because we didn't have time, the look on their face told me I just lost a friend. Well, we better be ready, not, not to start to create messes, but to humbly stand on God's word and to trust that the Lord will stand with us and strengthen us in every circumstance. It doesn't mean we throw out the rest of the letter of 2 Timothy, right? Remember what 2 Timothy 2.24 says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, right? That still applies. Christian, I promise you, the testimony of Paul 
is one that can be ours in every circumstance, that the Lord will stand by us. He will not forsake his people. He will strengthen them for what is needed. What a friend. What a comfort. What a hope. You guys know that song, right? What a hope we have in Jesus. So brothers and sisters, as we live faithfully before God, we can trust him with the results and we can know that he will not forsake or abandon us. But if you read the passage, you notice that it wasn't just for Paul that the Lord stood by him. Look carefully at the text here in verse 17. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. The Lord did not stand by Paul merely for the sake of Paul's own peace, but actually uh, that, that word Gentiles there, it, it, it is a little translation that, so that all the nations, so that all the nations, the Gentiles, would hear of the gospel message. All the nations. Perhaps the, the tribunal was full of people from all over the Roman Empire when Paul would give his defense. Either way, Paul was convinced that he received the kindness of the Lord so that others, as a result, would hear the good news of Jesus. Have you ever considered that the Lord uses our difficult trials and circumstances not simply so that we can know his peace, although that is part of it, but so that the proclamation of God's goodness and faithfulness might be made known. That's what Paul's saying here. Notice what Paul says next in verse 18. And notice what Paul says about the idea of being rescued. He says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Well, it isn't that Paul's immediate circumstances got better. This time, there was no earthquake from God that got Paul out of prison. There was no giant fish that swallowed up a guy who was about to drown, drown in order to take the gospel to Nineveh. This time there were no plagues coming upon Rome because of Paul. In fact, it's very likely that Paul uh, died shortly after this by being beheaded by, at the command of Nero, the, uh, the Roman emperor whose name became synonymous with evil. So what does it mean to Paul that he was rescued? The dude was about to get beheaded. What evil must the Lord rescue Paul from in order that Paul would make it to heaven? It's not death, right? Verse 6 of chapter 4 says that Paul fully expects to die soon. He says, the time of my departure has come, he said back in verse 6. Well, then what then will the Lord rescue him from? What can threaten Paul's entrance into the heavenly kingdom. Paul says, what he means by this is that he was saved from unbelief. He was saved from 
loving the world like Demas in verse 10. Right? This is the great truth of having the Lord stand by us. That's why the Lord standing by us matters. Is not because our suffering will just stop and we never have hardship in this life. That, that's not what God promises. No, the reason why it matters that the Lord stands by us is that it means that with, with him, we will persevere to the end, to the heavenly kingdom. That's why Paul ends this section with what should be ringing true of our hearts too. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's not that Paul thinks they're going to they're gonna acquit me of all charges. That's not even Paul's expectation. No. The Lord is with Paul, and so there will be nothing that will keep him from the heavenly kingdom. And that is the hope that we have too. Brothers and sisters, I lost my music scholarships even though I, I knew Jesus. And so the Lord being by me was not uh, so that my own foolishness could, could have no consequences. And even if I hadn't done something wrong, uh, there are going to be difficult circumstances in our lives that knowing Jesus doesn't mean that they just stop. It doesn't mean that we will never have heartache or, or really hard situations. What it does mean is that those things won't prevail. Those things don't win. The Lord stands with us who will never leave us or forsake us. And so we can confidently say, like the Hebrew scriptures say in Hebrews 13, well, then what can man do to me? And so we too can say, like Paul, who's so overwhelmed that he's been rescued from the lion's mouth, that he, that the Lord stood by him and strengthened him, not even for his own sake, but so that the proclamation of the gospel would go to all the nations. Paul ends this section with what we should be singing aloud to him, to God, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So brothers and sisters, remain faithful to the end in difficult days because God gives us his, his people and his mission and even himself. Well, this last section, let's look at that, verses 19 to 22. Paul writes, Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Omnisphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Not all is lost, even though Paul is going through every bit of difficulty. Paul's in chains, but he hasn't given up. People have abandoned him, but the gospel is still going forward. And so who are people in, in Paul's network who are serving for the kingdom? Well, in verse 19, it seems like in Ephesus, there's Timothy, there's Priscilla and Aquila, there's the household of Omnisphorus, uh, right? Like, how could Timothy greet them on behalf of Paul 
if they weren't with Timothy. The, the, the way for, for Paul to, for Timothy to greet Aqu Priscilla and Aquila is if Timothy was going to see them. Okay, or, or here's who Paul has in Corinth. Erastus remained at Corinth. Trophimus, in verse 20, is still in Miletus. He's sick, but he's still there. He's still numbered as people with Paul. And then we see in verse 21, other people in Paul's kingdom network. There's Eubulus as Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. But we hear a lot about Paul. Paul's ministry here. Paul's ministry there. Paul had a team and a network of people living out the gospel. I was reminded recently uh, of this African saying that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. The gospel was going far because of Paul's network of gospel relationships and workers. So what does networking with other believers and with other churches look like for friendship? Well, we see this model here. We see this amazing thing where there's churches in other cities and other provinces and they're all doing the same gospel work and they seem to be united in mission and united in, in the truth of Jesus. Well, uh, we get to join with other churches to help bring lifelines to the area where we're partnering so that the gospel can come to children in our schools who might never step foot inside a church. We get to partner with other churches uh, so that international students with IFI would hear the gospel and be saved. In fact, starting tomorrow, we're partnering with three other churches uh, for the Ministerial Association uh, for ministry to children through Vacation Bible School. In fact, we're part of a larger network, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, where we network together for the gospel work through the International Mission Board. Right, just recently, the, the, the Southern Baptist Convention was just held, where they commissioned another 79 fully supported missionaries to go and take the gospel where it has not yet been planted. We also have the North American Mission Board where we are networked together. And in the last 10 years, they just said last week, that the North American Mission Board has planted 10,000 churches. Wow. We're going to be part of disaster relief, right? That's practical help and gospel workers. If, I'm not sure if anyone is here still from when a guy named John Heading was the pastor here at Friendship. John Heading heads up disaster relief for Ohio Southern Baptist. He's actually going to come in October and he's going to talk to us about disaster relief in Ohio. Paul's time is done. But the gospel still went forward. Paul was faithful to the end of his days because he knew the Lord would be forever faithful. We have a network of gospel workers. And even when our time is done, the gospel will still go forward. So let us, like Paul, leave a legacy of being faithful to the kingdom of God to the very end. 
Brothers and sisters, I know we can easily be, be discouraged by bumps in the road, but we don't need to be. We're almost home. And the Lord is with us, never to leave us or forsake us. And so until that day when we are taken home to glory, may God, may God be with our spirit that we may know his grace. Uh, that's how Paul concludes the letter. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Brothers and sisters, we are called to remain faithful in the end, in difficult days, because God has given us his people, his mission, and ultimately himself. More than famous last words, we see the way that Paul lived his life faithfully all the way to the end. Paul was faithful to the end. Paul calls us, Paul calls Christians to be faithful to the end as well, following Christ. That happens together, not alone. That happens uh, continuing to proclaim the kingdom of God. We have a mission together. And it all happens by God's grace, with his spirit at work in us, and the promise that Jesus is with us to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's so easy to slip. It's so easy to just say, I can compromise here. It's, it's too easy to say, it doesn't matter if I'm there. What difference do I make and Father, we pray that you would correct us of those times, of those moments when we think that it doesn't matter if we're part of the fellowship or not. We pray that you'd correct us when we think it doesn't matter if I'm faithful in this area, however big or small or not. Father, we pray for our networks of, of gospel work who are not only all around Ohio, and all around the United States, but are even all around the world. Lord, we pray for them. We pray that you would sustain them. We pray that you would um, help them to know that you are with us. And so, God, we pray that we would find great encouragement and great hope that you are with us, You've given us and equipped us with everything that we need for life and godliness. Oh, Father, help us to endure and persevere and faithfully live all the way to the end. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.